0: Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads Community Church, our vision is to awaken the city of Pittsburgh and surrounding areas by creating cool places to experience God in local neighborhoods throughout Pittsburgh and beyond. Now, here is this week's message.
1: Okay. We've been looking at um, the seven things that Jesus said from the cross. And. Things that Jesus said were not just things he said. Um, Every word has a purpose. And the beauty of what, the wonder of what, of all of this is that, you know, Jesus, I think, was the ultimate multitasker. Because he would say a word and it meant millions of things. It depends on where you're at and what you need to hear. We don't pick and choose. God knows what we need. He knows what we need to learn. And for every one of us, that may be different. You may hear the same verses, the same words, but he's teaching you a very specific to you thing. So usually when I get up here, I talk about what God wants me to learn and what he's shown me in my life um, in very practical terms. Um, I'm certainly not a, you know, a scholar uh, in the word of God, but I talk about what he's placed in my heart and the things that, that I feel about these verses. Now, this morning... I've been given the pleasure of talking about um, verses in John. They are in John 19, verses 25 through 27. For those of you who want to open your Bibles to that. And it says, verse 25... Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus, therefore, saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Now, on the face of that, it sounds pretty simple. God, Jesus is worried about his mother, about his disciple. They're going to go through a lot of grief and a lot of things that he knows. And he wants there to be support. And so... He gives them one to the other as a mother and son. Now, we could stop there and all go home early, What we won't. I see a lot of things in this verse that may not, uh, may not at first be really evident. I think that um, there's so many other things that are there, and Are we, you know, one of the things we're talking about is are we worth dying for? God sent his son to do just that. Think about that to die for us. By the cross, by his blood, Jesus prays for our sins, he pays for them, and he buys us a new heart he forgives sin and he models love all at the same time jesus taught about about living in community with one another we are his children we are his family and he talks about relationships both vertical and horizontal And I always think, you know, that's that's a cross. Our relationship with God and our relationship with one another, um, both are important. In John 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now, not only does God tell us we must love one another, he says it three times right there. It has to be really important. It's the most important thing he can tell us. We must love one another. And also in John, he says, greater love has no one than this that someone lays down his life for his friends. So he has tied laying his life down to loving one another, to loving your neighbor. The death of Jesus models how we should love. And at the same time, it makes possible the transformation in us that enables us to love. He makes, he makes a hole in our heart. We are created with a hole in our heart. And he fills it. He fills it. We are charged to love one another to live in community with one another, to look upon one another and care for each other. At the cross, all of our relationships are rearranged. We have an altogether new life, a new family, and most of the old things that we have are really deemed unimportant, and they're, they're cast away. And God makes that very clear sometimes, other times not so clear. But what we have to remember is Jesus didn't die for me. He didn't die for each of you. He died for us. We are God's people. We are a family of his people. We see what Jesus did to keep us in the heart of God. And he kind of sets that up when he says, woman, here's your son. And here's your mother. He shows us. The relationship to tell us what we are to do, to make space in our hearts for one another, and then go out and fill it. Another lesson I think of when when I read these words of Jesus is a parable that's found in Luke, and it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. I'm sure most of you are familiar with that parable, but I, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to read it, and then we're going to talk a little about it. It's found in Luke 10, verses 25 to 37. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What's written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. I think the telling question that the lawyer asks, certainly, and what kind of gets him into trouble is and who is my neighbor? A lot of times people are quick to make excuses for not loving and for not caring or not helping. And as Jesus tells us, it's easy to love your friends, it's your enemies, or sometimes those you think are your enemies. Who are hardest to hold in your heart, hardest to want to help, and hardest to accept help from. Jesus turns the tables on the question of who is my neighbor and teaches rather that we need to ask ourselves, how can I become the follower of Jesus who loves my neighbors? Not the person next door to you who lives next door. Not those Jesus considers worthy of dying for. That's everyone. Those who may not look like us, may not think like us, and may not share our customs. Jesus told us from the cross, live in community. Love one another as I love you. You. I have to tell a small story from my experience when I worked at a Salvation Army thrift store, and there were um, working as well um, a lot of men who were in uh, a rehab program with the Salvation Army, and we were to sort of help them get in, into a um, back into a mainstream. Um, Employment and, you know, skills and tasks and, and learning how to deal with people and work with people. Um, in addition to our, what we were doing, I considered, you know, that um, very minimal compared to, you know, the responsibility of, of dealing with these men and what they were going through. And at another time in my life, I can honestly say, and, and, you know, maybe I'm kind of ashamed to say, most of these men I would have been afraid of. I certainly wouldn't have gone out of my way to help them or to talk with them. But two of these young men helped To open, helped God open my heart. He used two of these men to open my heart. I consider these two young men to be such gifts to me. And I, in turn, I think, in my experience, was a gift to them. Because God was using them. And for that, they were thankful. We never know who God is going to put in our path and what path he's going to choose for us. The gifts that he gives us or the way he uses us as a gift to someone else. At the time, I was overcome, truly, um, with these two young men. And I wrote something, and I wanted to share it with you. I used to write everything down. And so one morning, I got up and I wrote this. God reaches down with his love to an ugly and broken world. He reaches to me. Left on my, to my own devices, I would never reach back. But by his grace, he has chosen me to reach to him in faith. When our hands touch, I can reach out with his love to an ugly and broken world. I never know who he has chosen to reach back. Love for your neighbor, love for the people who come into your life is a gift. And it's a gift that we must use, we must appreciate, we must honor those gifts every day. Um, I, I would like to sing a song that that kind of, I hold in my heart, it's called Remember Me by Mark Schultz. And I think of Jesus on the cross when I hear this song. He loves us enough to have died for us. He's shown it by just that. But he shows it every day in so many different ways. And all that he asks is that we remember him. Remember the things that he has taught us. Remember the way that he has lived his life. Remember that we, in his eyes, are worth dying for. Are we worth dying for? No not by a long shot. But I'm thankful every day that God thinks we are. And it makes me want to be better. It makes me want to make God proud of me. Do with my life something that is worth someone dying for it. It's not that hard to do, really. A kind word, a pat on the back, a shoulder to cry on. All we have to do is remember, remember Jesus, remember God in what we do each day, what we see. So this song is called Remember Me. And I want you to remember the name of mark schultz. he's He's really an amazing artist, and um his words alone can reduce me to tears. Um, so. Cracked and faded
0: by the years Remember me In a sanctuary Children leave their Sunday school with smiles.
2: Asked the band to come up, and uh, Andrew, can you run down and get any of the youth that are downstairs, bring them up here real quick as the band comes up? Uh, It's interesting that um, earlier this week I was listening to a a, a podcast, and there was a pastor who was actually talking about, you know, the economic crisis that the country is in and that the world is in and, you know, how politicians say it's getting better and others say it's, you know, it's not, and they go back and forth, and he made the statement. He said, (laughs) you know what? What would happen if just the church, not not the world, just the church, were to start interacting with each other and with the world as if we're not waiting for things to get better. We're just going to step out and make things better. We're going to conduct ourselves in a God-honoring way. We're going to interact with even those that don't know God in a God-honoring way. We're going to spend our money in a God-honoring way, we're going to just, everything that we do, uh, we're not going to act as if we're a part of the world. We're just going to act as if we're children of God. He said that alone would would just make such a huge transformation in our culture and in our society. And it's interesting because Patty was talking about the relationship we have, the horizontal and the vertical, and every Sunday morning around the globe, People come into places like this, places of worship, and they look to have that vertical relationship. You know, they look to lift up God and to hear from God like we were praying this morning. God, we want you to speak to us. We want to hear from you. And then they leave and they never touch on the vertical or the horizontal rather. They never touch on the other people that are a part of this journey with God with them. See, God, when when Jesus died, it wasn't just a matter of, hey, I mean, that was important. I want to wipe away your sins. I want to create a way for you to spend eternity with God. But it was also, I don't want you alone. I want you and 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 you. He wanted all of us, not just so that we would be with him. So that then we would be able to connect with one another. We'd be able to have that relationship with one another. And what often happens is when we get into church, we start to uh, uh, kind of focus on, you know, how do we do the thing that God wants us to do, and we forget that there's a person that we're supposed to be in community with that, as Patty said, is our neighbor It's not just how do we do this thing with God. It's how do we do this thing with them as well. And if every single person just in this room, if we were to actually start treating our neighbors, not as our community says our neighbors, you know, the guy that his dog does on our lawn, and, you know, they don't clean up, and, 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 you know, you're trying to, you know, argue over where the line ends and where his property starts and all that stuff, but if we were to treat them as our neighbor, the way that God says they are, imagine the difference that would make in just your community alone. Because here's the truth, if the number one problem, and I've said this before, if the number one problem on the planet, Christian or non-Christian, number one problem on the planet that exists is lack of effective communication, then the number one problem in the church, this is the number one problem in the church, the church, the God-fearing people of God, number one problem is lack of respect and love for one another within our congregations. I mean, globally, church or non-church, number one problem, lack of effective communication. In the churches, though, number one problem. This is, this is why the church is in a state of decline. And there are churches that are growing and other churches that are decreasing and why there are, you know, people that say that within the next 10 years that 60% of the churches that are in existence today will not be around. Number one problem within the church. Lack of love and respect for one another within our congregations. Because here's the reality, and and this this is the most important thing. If we can't get it right, and we have the love of God and God's Holy Spirit, if we can't interact with one another without judging and gossiping and dividing and talking bad about each other, how do you expect anyone else on the planet to do that? How do you expect your kids in school to do that? How do you expect your co-workers to do that? How do you expect your other family members that are arguing over this and that? And, and how do you expect them to do it if we, who God says, here, I'm going to give you, it's, it's a focal point of the church, and I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit so that you can do it, so that you can look at those people who may talk about you and degrade you and call them your neighbor. And then when you come into this place, you can look at those people who are all looking up to God with you and call them your worship community, your church family. And if we can't get it right, no one can. We're going to close in a minute, but here's, here's the thing that you've, you've got to get. Is that, and I'm not trying to, you know, put us up on a pedestal, but if you're a Christ follower, You are not like everyone else. You're a walking, living manifestation of what God wants people to see. You have God's Holy Spirit. And when we come together, we're not like everyone else. We are the church. We are the church. Bow your heads. God, we just thank you so much that we can not only call you Lord and Savior and King, but according to your word and according to your will, thank you, we can call you friend. Yes, Lord. We thank you for your saving grace. We thank you for your power, your Holy Spirit that enables us to live out your will. Jesus. We thank you that our sins are forgiven. We thank you that uh, we don't have to walk into this place with heads hung low Amen. about everything that we had to deal with throughout the week. Hallelujah. But that we can rejoice In your Holy Spirit, empowering us to overcome all of those problems, all of those issues. God, we praise you that we can look at those people in our community, in our circle of influence, the way that you looked at us as people who you desire to know. People you desire to have in relationship with you as well. God, we just praise you. We praise you for your saving grace. We praise you for your love. And we praise you that we are the church. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.